If parenthood came with a GPS, it would most likely just say recalculating. Join Yulandi Becker and her guest experts Wednesdays at 11 a.m. for Bump and Beyond, the show about pregnancy and babies. 101.9 megahertz of life. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Yes, you are on Bump and Beyond, and I am your host, Yulandi Becker. As always on a Wednesday at eleven, I say good morning. If you're listening to the podcast, hello, because I don't know what time you're listening to it, and that's a reminder that this will be available as a podcast after the show. This and many and all of our other shows about various topics, parenting. Um, today's show specifically. Before I get into it, as my traditional way of starting my show, is complaining about the weather. What the hell is going on with the cold? I am not liking it. I was in such a springy, happy mood, and all of a sudden it's cold again. But this weekend it's warming up again, and、um, as you all might know, I'm celebrating Oktoberfest this weekend. So come out through to Pretoria and join me at the Oktoberfest. Um, today's show, though, as always, I've got a fantastic expert. We are talking, and this is a topic I feel that needs to be talked about.、Um, I, I, in some ways, I almost feel that it's coming up more and more and more. As you all know, this is my side hustle, and I am a sleep consultant. And I have to say that allergies, which we're talking about, asthma and eczema, is really If I think about ten years ago when I started, my my guest was part of that start. I'm gonna, <laughs> I've known her for that long,、um, but in the end of the day,、uh, I feel like it wasn't something. I don't know if I'm gonna ask her about it, but I feel like it's something that comes up a lot more. Food allergies and asthma and eczema as well, especially. And I wonder if that's just my personal observation that it's something that is more、uh, common, or if there is a reason behind it. But as always, I want you to be discussing this topic with us. Have you? Do you and your family experience food allergies? Because of more often than not, it is associated allergies within a family. On that note, don't have any personal experience with my family and this issue.、Um, even though、um, my kids, I have just on that note, say that my daughter doesn't have eczema, but she does have. Maybe it is associated with it. Again, another question that we can ask my guest.、Um, but she has very sensitive skin. <laughs> Always have had it so much so that she actually,、um, we've recently discovered she has a bit of a like skin. Um, not skin allergy, sun allergy. So we were、uh, on holiday, as you all know, in Spain, and she was like the first day, like the whole afternoon in the sun. She came out, and it was like she was covered in a rash. As soon as she dried off, and I think within an hour, it kind of subsided.、Um, and then from then, I immediately drove to the shop and bought her one of those long sleeve things to swim in, and it was fine after that. 
So she was wearing sunscreen. I'm like very anal about that. But in the end, it was really hectic. Um, and then I also, while I was putting on this shirt for her, I remember my mom had a similar uh, reaction to the sun. She also can't sit in the sun and she's as pale as a ghost, which is fine. She should live in Europe, I guess. She does it. But anyway... I want you to talk with us. I'm babbling on now, and this is radio. Um, I want you to join in the conversation as always. Please send me a telegram on 061-895-1019. Share your own experience with these topics. You can also SMS us at 34519. SMSs are charged at 150. And if you feel so inclined, I would love it if you would phone me and talk with us on 010-140-3020. Let's talk about food allergies, asthma, and eczema. And on that note, my esteemed guest, expert guest that is joining, and she really, honestly, I'm, I'm saying, I always say expert, Dr. Adal, you are for sure an uh, expert in this um, um, your field. So my guest today is Dr. Adal Roo. She's a pediatric pulmonologist. I said that right. I don't know how Ooh. I did that, but it's <laughs> impressive because I can't say the word vocabulary-ologist. Uh, Hello, Adal. She's also a mom. I always have moms on. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being here. Yes, um, it's really, like I said, um, you are an expert in this field. And I have referred many friends and clients to you because you are also very well known in Pretoria for how nice you are and how well you prepare <laughs> parents. Um, she's one of those fantastic doctors who also gives you kind of like a list of I don't know if you call it a list, but like, if this happens, this is what you should be doing. The next level is this can happen. And then, and then the final level is like, you need to be in the hospital already, but she gives you kind of like a prep list and that's really great. <laughs> oh, good. A nice plan. Yeah, I see. I know the things you do, even though I've never personally taken my child to you. I know all the Luckily. <laughs> I guess that's luckily. So um I've already kind of, like I said, introed a little bit about my own experience now with my daughter and my lack of experience on this field personally. Um But... Do is it more common? Are allergies and eczema and asthma is, is this a more common thing that happens with children? And if so, why? <laughs> it's definitely more common than previously, and I think the answer lie in the fact that we look for it more often as well. Oh, yeah. Um, because of infections and genes and environmental factors that um, play a role in this, we see it definitely more often. No, no, I'm glad that my observation wasn't just silly. Um, but like I said, it is probably because we are more aware. And I mean, I think that's, we're more aware of lots of things than what we were in the past, luckily because of medical, um, advances. Um, and that's a great thing. And I think we should celebrate because I think also now I, I remember very specific one client that I helped in the beginning. And like I said, this is not that long ago. It's 10 years ago. Um, and afterwards, now looking back at my knowledge about allergies, um, uh, with, because also on that note, let me just also say that, that, um, 
I think allergies in babies sometimes it takes a while before you realize your child has an allergy because obviously you don't expose them to different foods when they're one month one month old. So you might not know until later if they are actually allergic to something and uh, when the exposure um, increases. But I, I definitely know that I um, know that some of the clients that I might have assisted have had um, this, but we didn't realize it because we didn't know better. Mm. And yeah, but what are allergies in children? So allergies is usually when a person reacts to a normal environmental factor that would be completely harmless to someone else. So it's something in the environment that we react to. And usually allergies would um, present itself after the second, um, if you're in contact with it for the second time. Oh, not necessarily the first time. Yeah. So with the first exposure, your body produces antibodies. And then when those antibodies cross-react with each other, that's when we see the clinical presentation of allergies. Oh, that is so, that's like so interesting. I never knew that. That's like always, yes. he's not just an expert for everyone else, also for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm never too old to learn. I love that. Um, but yes, so what, but what are some of these reactions or common reactions? I guess there's various reactions, but what are some of the common reactions that people would have or babies or children would have to these allergies? So allergies can present in different, um, systems in your body. It depends on the allergen. So for instance, food allergies can present with eczema with diarrhea, colic, reflux, blood in the stool. It depends on the age of the patient as well. Um, something that your daughter most probably suffered from, by the way, <laughs> could have been something that we call solar uticaria. So solar meaning sun and uticaria is a hive reaction that um, you would get from the sun. Okay, great. We'll get into it more just now after this ad break. This is Bump and Beyond with Yolandi Becker, the show about pregnancy and babies, 101.9 megahertz of life. As we approach the Jewish high holidays, including the Jewish New Year, this will affect HiFM's broadcasting. Please consult the HiFM website, HiFM.com, for broadcasting times and days. HiFM wishes the community Ashana Tova and Gama Hatima Tova. Oh, I hope I said that right. Um, anyway, it's like blubbering over my words, but th- on that note, if you are affected by our, um, broadcast, remember there's lots of podcasts. So you don't have to miss us. You can just l- listen to the podcast and go listen to some of the other shows that we have on hivem.com while you're at, um, while you're there. So, um, if you've just joined us, you are on Bump and Beyond. I am your host, Yulandi Becker, and we are talking today to my expert guest, Dr. Adal Ru, and we're talking specifically about allergies. And now I've realized the reactions to allergies, <laughs> eczema and asthma. Um, and you were just telling me the very fancy word that might have happened to my daughter. 
and I've already forgotten it. Solar something. Solar urticaria. Ah, oh, see, I don't have to know these things. <laughs> well, you don't have to. Uh, yes, but um, you mentioned that um, that's an uh, like a like an a reaction to the sun. Then, why mm. would that happen? Well, there are many different reasons that this could happen, but I don't know a, a lot about your family history, but you said that you don't know or your family doesn't suffer from allergies. No, my mom, like I said, my mom definitely has the same thing, but I don't, I definitely don't have that. So in families, we talk about um, families having an allergic tendency. So if you go into a family history, usually there will be a mother or a father or a brother or sister or someone that suffers from some allergic condition. And allergic conditions um, in, entails eczema, food allergies, allergic rhinitis, which is nasal allergies, and asthma. So often if you go and look further, you'll find an allergic tendency in a family. So that could be, that could be the reason. Um, medication can play a role as well. And you said that she does have a, a sensitive skin. So that, yeah, she's always, even when she was small, I had to use like special cream and stuff and also watch the kind of even fabric, um, detergents that mm. I was using initially. Mm. She even got a little bit of a rash from that. And then I just changed to like, a, I can't even remember a special one. And then she was mm. fine. But it's cost me quite a bit of money, this sensitivity. (laughs) (laughs) But she's fine. uh, um, But yeah. Um, But you now mentioned also, I mean, it's super interesting, this whole fact that you like, you're exposed to it and then there's no reaction. Also, the fact um, that there's a tendency for uh, like a family to have this. But does that then mean that your baby is basically born with an allergy. Um, um, uh, that's why I'm asking, when does it then start? Luckily, <laughs> no, I must say there are many studies about the prevention of allergy or many research studies that is ongoing about the prevention of allergies. Yeah. And um, so when a baby is born, Obviously, he is genetically programmed to have a potential to um, develop an allergy or to, ve- to develop any illness. But it depends on, on what happens in the first part of the li- of life. So um, things that predispose a child to be more prone to allergies is obviously having the genetic potential. But being colonized with the correct bacteria in the gut also plays a role. Um, Exposure to viruses early on, that can also um, cause a child to be prone to more allergies. So they are not necessarily born with allergies because, as I said, you need more than one exposure to actually have an allergic reaction. So if you did never expose to that allergen, then... You might never develop it. Ah, and you might never like, I mean, it makes also sense, uh, sense now to me because, um, like with a bee sting, for instance, which is not very common, but some people are allergic to it. But then they're like, I've heard people say those like, no, I've been stung by a bee. I'm fine. I'm not allergic to bees. And then the next time mm. all hell breaks loose. 
No. And with a bee sting works a little bit differently. So there isn't necessarily a genetic. (laughs) My logical thinking is failing me now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A bee sting is something different and we see it commonly. It's actually more common than we think. Um, but, uh, you also now mentioned uh, specifically about the gut health as well and how that can impact. Um, and also from my knowledge and now I'm asking, I'm not saying, but, um, I know that, um, obviously with a cesarean birth, it also impacts the gut health specifically and the bacteria that you're exposed to once you are born. Um, does, is that the type of things? How can you improve your child's gut health then and their exposure to bacteria? Um, yeah. So, um, unfortunately, if you have, have a cesarean section, that's the way it is. Yeah. And then the, the baby would be um, colonized more with skin bacteria and not um, bacteria in the birth canal. So there are different studies going on about actually then doing a swab of the birth canal and trying to introduce that to the baby. But that's that's not common practice. Mm. So the important thing is to breastfeeding is obviously a very good um, preventative type of mechanism. But just in the same sentence, many children get food allergies even if you do everything right. Mm. So... I think the other reason or another thing that's important, I don't know if you've ever heard about the hygiene hypothesis. No. Okay, so that is basically... Uh, maybe um, I have. Is that like during COVID I we washed our hands excessively exactly. <laughs> and now we actually killed germs that we shouldn't have killed? Exactly. We kill, and it was even before COVID, but um, much more so, so we kill the normal bacteria that colonizes our skin. And obviously, when you're exposed to that, um, it's important to have colonization with the normal bacteria. If we over-sanitize and we are germaphobes, basically, um, that drives the immune system away from the normal path and into the allergenic pathway. So there might be some method in the madness, the five-second rule, you know. <laughs> <laughs> my kids are older now. I, I, I Literally, my son said the other day, it's like, 10-second rule. I was like, oh, please don't say that in public. People are going to judge me. <laughs> but the principle is that children need healthy exposure to pathogens or to um, bacteria in the environment. Oh. Obviously, it's it's good to blow your nose and then sanitize your hands and all of that. But I'm talking about the normal exposure. Okay, so that's dogs normal. running around and stuff like that is that's acceptable <laughs> to have yes. still a ten second draw. I just want to make sure, just so that the judgment goes away with other people. Um, but then. Obviously, then my assumption now, again, because my next question would be, how would you then diagnose an allergy? But most of the time, then, obviously, the allergy will only be diagnosed once you see symptoms. the symptoms yes. after the second exposure. <laughs> yes. So if a mother breastfeeds her baby, the baby is exposed to all the allergens that the mom consumes in her diet. That's why 
um, babies, if you give them egg for the first time in inverted commas, it might not really be the first time because the baby ha- was exposed through the mother's breast milk. So the way we diagnose allergies is um, firstly by clinical presentation. So we don't just test everyone for food allergies because if the food allergy test gives us a predictive value of chances of you reacting to a food that you are sensitized to. So if we test everyone, we'll find people who are sensitized to an allergen who do not necessarily necessarily clinically react. So different age groups will present differently and different allergens will present differently. So um, if we talk, for instance, about cow's milk allergy, which is quite a common one, um, you also get two types of allergies related to cow's milk protein. So you would get an IgE antibody-mediated reaction, which you can do a blood test for, and children usually present with eczema or that other word, urticaria, that hive reaction, if they were exposed to that. But then a more difficult-to-diagnose allergy pathway is the non-IgE-mediated cow's milk protein allergy. So these ones you won't necessarily pick up in a test, but the baby will present with colic, fussiness, reflux, diarrhea, constipation, blood in the stool. So these types of babies, um, we usually then put them on a formula that is appropriate for them with either a very broken down formula or an alternative. But And um, if we wonder about the diagnosis, then the, the end of the spectrum would be to do a colonoscopy and a gastroscopy, a scope, and take biopsies of the mucous membranes. And then in the lab, they will see the changes of allergies in the mucous membranes. That's also, I mean, again, learning so much. If you've just joined me, I am talking to Dr. Adal Ru. Now I'm like, what's with my tongue? It's like, I think you, like with your tongue twisting, affected me. Um, she is a pediatric pulmonologist. We're talking about allergies and how it um, yeah, manifests and the symptoms of it and how you can deal with it. Um if you've only just joined us, you can, of course, join in the conversation by sending us a telegram on 061-895-1019. We would love to have your insights. Have you dealt with it? It's always difficult when things like this happen, especially with babies, and you have to deal with it. As we just realized, it's not always as easy as, oh, my child has an allergy. I have to just figuring it out. Sounds a little bit complicated and depending on it, but you now mentioned also specifically the cow's milk allergy, and this is something that um, uh, is, is more common for sure. Mm-hmm. But in some ways also, um, you know, it's like reflux also had an era, and that's also something that Dr. Google is helping excessively with the situation. And you get moms who are just cutting out, then you're like cutting out certain things out of their diet because they are assuming and maybe even incorrectly, that their child has some kind of allergy, and then are cutting it out of their diet. And like you just mentioned now, um, if you're cutting out certain things out of your diet, you're actually not exposing your child to it. What is the dangers of something like that if you're cutting out unnecessarily from your diet when it's not necessary? 
So we're specifically talking about a mom that's breastfeeding now. Yeah, a mom that's breastfeeding and then, I don't know, her baby maybe had some diarrhea, who knows for what reason, and mm-hmm. then she's like, oh, Dr. Google now told me mm-hmm. this, maybe I have it, I'm going to cut out, mm-hmm. I don't know what. So firstly, if you try to cut out something something from your diet, firstly, just see your doctor, mm. and then there's no sense in cutting out everything. Or if you start by eliminating the major allergens, which I'm sure you know, egg, peanut, wheat, milk, soy, and fish. So those are Look how common they are. You just (laughs) name them so quickly. (laughs) I do this every day. That's a good point. (laughs) But now to eliminate all of those things in your diet, well, it will make me quite an unhappy person. So firstly, the emotional impact of just deciding to eliminate things. The, the new mom is trying to cope with um, her new life, her new baby. So I would r- rather get good advice before I do that. And then the most common things that, that should be eliminated, if there is a suspicion of a cow's milk protein allergy based on the stuff that we discussed now, then it would be safe to eliminate the, the breast milk. But now, if the mom eliminates breast milk from her diet. If she cheats once, that allergen can be expressed in the breast milk for another two to four weeks. Oh, oh. If you decide to do it, you can't do it and just eliminate milk. Then you must read labels because milk, the the, um, protein in milk is called different things on different labels. So I would do a lot of things. Yes. And it's too, yeah. So there should be a plan. Mm. After you've eliminated um, milk, for instance, for four weeks, because you need to give it a four-week period for the reason I mentioned just now, yeah. then reintroduce and see if the symptoms come back. Egg, the same. So, I mean, it's not just as easy as, oh, I'm going to decide wheat to, I mean, gluten. It's in so many things. Yeah, I mean, so I, the, I would, that's one of the reasons why I would never be able to, I mean, <laughs> not that I want to go gluten-free or whatever. But no, so I, the point is there must be a plan because if you avoid things in your diet, it will have a nutritional impact on you and your baby if you don't do it under guidance. So it's important. uh, We've got a nice question here also from Kelly. Thank you guys for joining in in the conversation. She wanted to know, um, just ask a doctor, please can you ask me, uh, find out what's the difference to to being intolerant and being Mm. allergic? Yes, so there is a major difference. Mm. So as we spoke about the mechanism of allergy, you are exposed to an allergen, you make antibodies in your body and the antibodies react to each other. And that's when you get an allergic reaction. It's an immune-mediated reaction. Whereas an intolerance, obviously we have wheat intolerance, gluten, um, lactose, could be just as life-limiting. But that doesn't mean you'll get hives or you'll get eczema. You would present, for instance, with a lactose intolerant. Lactose is the sugar in milk. You'll present with diarrhea, um, vomiting, flatulence, and a, a distended tummy. No. So there's a big difference in the immunological mechanism and what it causes in the end. Even though it's 
not less life limiting or quality of life limiting. Yeah, especially if someone close to you is lactose intolerant. Yes. There's a little bit more for the, I'm going to use the, the polite word that you used, mm-hmm. flagellant. <laughs> no, but for a small baby, that's, that's one of the reasons they don't sleep and they are grumpy. Yeah. So, but it's important then to know because the treatment differs. Oh, okay. So no. The lactose free formula will completely eliminate the symptoms. For a intolerance, but for a cow's milk protein allergy, a, a hydrolyzed or a completely amino acid based formula, like treatment types of milks, will um, treat the symptom or the issue. But again, please consult your doctor before you start doing these type of changes. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so if you've just joined me, uh, once again, you're on 101.9 High FM and I am talking, uh, talking to a uh, pulmonologist, pediatric pulmonologist, Dr. Adal Ru about allergies. And one of the symptoms now that you've mentioned, we will have to get to after the break. <laughs> this is Bump and Beyond with Yolandi Becker, the show about pregnancy and babies. 101.9 megahertz of life. Um, yes, you are on 101.9 High FM with me, Landy Becker, on Bump and Beyond. And as always, we're talking parenting. And today's conversation is especially um, important and um, I- uh, super interesting. So if you've missed it, of course, you can go listen to the podcast after this show and inform yourself about it because I am talking to pediatric pulmonologist and mom, Dr. Adal Ru. I want to say Adal the whole time. In some ways, I feel like you know so much. I have to call you doctor all the time. It feels like I'm no, like not no, doing no. it justice from <laughs> not doing it because as I mentioned to you in the break, I feel like this has been such an informative talk, but, and you can hear, you know what you're talking about, but in the same breath, you're really good at, Putting it or dumbing it down for the rest of us so that we understand what's going on. And um, no, taking a little bit of the guesswork out of it. But now, as I've learned as well, that um, certain a- allergies have certain symptoms. And one of these symptoms can be asthma and eczema. What is asthma? Let's start with that because we're running out of time here. <laughs> okay. So asthma is not just simply you can't breathe. Because if I ask the children here what's asthma, they would tell me, oh, it's people who can't breathe at all. So if we start with the pathology of asthma, then you'll understand why. And the pathology of asthma is chronic inflammation in the small airways. So that's the very ends of the airways before you get the lung bubble or the alveoli in the end. So when you have chronic inflammation in that area, it swells up inside and it can produce phlegm from time to time and then it constricts. So then a patient will cough or wheeze or cough and wheeze. So it's a whole, it's not just coughing or wheezing. So it's a whole spectrum of symptoms that can present or that an asthma child can present with. No, but is asthma always uh, associated with allergies um, or not? Not always. Okay. And I just wanted to make sure because I, that's my perception as well. Um, mm. trying to be smart and asking the right questions. Yeah. 
Uh, what is the, um, because also, I mean, my daughter literally asked me last week, what is asthma? Didn't have such an, I knew it. I'm now going to tell her again when I see her to sound smarter. Um, but, uh, I didn't just say just not breathing. Um, but one of the things I also said is that more often than not, people with asthma have inhalers. Is that the only treatment for asthma or, um, what is the treatment for asthma? Okay, so a treatment plan for a child with asthma is a, a complex plan because you have to treat the patient, you have to treat what can happen to him and also the um, possible allergens that they can be exposed to. So because we know what the pathology of asthma is, the most common thing to treat asthma with would be an inhaler that contains cortisone. So when, when I tell that to patients, they always, or moms or, or parents, they're always very worried about the cortisone. But that's why it's important for us to, to choose a safe molecule and a safe dosage. We always try to give the lowest possible dosage that keeps them controlled. So we have very specific guidelines, the GINA guidelines that we follow for the treatment of asthma. So firstly, if we talk medication, yes, inhalers. Very important, we treat the nose as well. So we give them a low-dose cortisone intranasal spray because it's a united airway. It starts with the nose. And very often these patients have allergic rhinitis or the, the allergy to the from the nose as well. Then there are other um, molecules that we can add as add-on to asthma treatment that is um, almost like glorified antihistamines. But there are side effects of these treatments as well. Mm. So you tailor make the plan for every patient. So we, the principle will be to have an inhaler, which is a controller or a preventer, and then an inhaler, which is an emergency um, pump or a reliever. How early can you diagnose asthma? So if we want to talk about the diagnosis of asthma and we talk about lung function, the standardized or our standardized numbers that we used will start from the age of four. So as soon as a patient is able to do a lung function, we can label it as asthma. But if a patient and a baby, a young person, presents with typical symptoms and you hear certain things in the lungs, um, and there's a um, family history of asthma and allergies, then we can diagnose asthma in that age group. But we don't put a label on that that child's head and say, you have asthma, you are going to have asthma forever, because that's not true. So that's why it's important to start with a low dose, to follow up regularly. But can a baby use an inhaler? Yes, they can. I'm just (laughs) So we give inhalers to babies via spaces. Oh. So it's it's a tube with a mask that you basically put the, the um, inhaler in at the end. And then you'll give a puff and you'll see that the baby inhales 10 times. So, yes, it's possible. They don't always like it, but <laughs> but it is possible. Ah, okay. No, again, learning a lot. And also, I mean, it's also always good to have these conversations to also be uh, grateful a little bit as well when you hadn't had to deal with something like this, because it's already super hard being a mom. Um, 
and having these things. But I have to also say that it's also nice to know who to go to when these things happen, because in all honesty, it sounds very hard to diagnose these type of things and to realize it. Um, you need to have expert advice and to have expert treatment in the end of these things so that you are treating. And like you said, each child basically has their own, um, like treatment plan. And yeah, um, it sounds pretty important to me to get to the right person, uh, when, when doing that. So the next one, also one of the symptoms that can happen with allergies is eczema. What is Mm. eczema? So eczema is an allergic skin condition. So we've spoken about the mechanism of allergy. So um, the way you will know that this is eczema is basically a very dry skin. And the rash will be in very specific um, parts of the body. So in babies and young children, well, even adults, the flexures of the arms and behind the knees are very significant places to have this. It's always itchy, important. Mm. Eczema is always itchy. Then with severe eczema, it can be the whole, over the whole body. It usually doesn't involve um, the buttocks. So that's also important. It can be in the cheeks as well. Oh, that's interesting. Like specifically, it's not on the butt. <laughs> A very interesting oh. observation that someone has made. Um, on that note, the same question that I asked with regards to the asthma. Is eczema always associated with allergies? Yes and no. Oh. Twist <laughs> okay. in the answer. <laughs> But probably no, because we always look for allergies when food allergies specifically when we see eczema, not inhalant allergies. It's most commonly food allergies that's associated with eczema. But then there are certain other things like stress that can also exacerbate eczema. Okay. So we are going to get to this and. Craig is like giving me the stink eye already. We're very strongly running out of time, but we'll get to um, our final thoughts this now. Thank you, Dr. Adal. This is Bump and Beyond with Yolandi Becker, the show about pregnancy and babies. 101.9 megahertz of life. Um, and on that note, if you've just joined us, you are on Bump and Beyond on 101.9 High FM with me, your host, Yolandi Becker. And we are on our final thoughts stage with Dr. Adal Rue, a, a pediatric pulmonologist and mom, talking about allergies and eczema. So a final thing to think about, is there something special parents can do to help avoid or... No, I don't know, to help with allergies and eczema and, or is it just, there's nothing you're doing wrong, just deal with it. <laughs> well, we spoke about many things now in terms of um, the body being colonized with the correct bacteria, maybe a probiotic, but if you have a genetic tendency to allergies, and the children is exposed to everything in the environment, chances are that no matter what you do, and no matter what you do right, it's not your fault. Yes, and that's important for parents to hear, that sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just the way it is that that you are. But, I mean, it's also something to keep in mind. I think if your child is showing, like you said, a rash or 
um, something that was some kind of symptom that if you've got a history of allergies, it's a good idea to go see a great doctor like Dr. Adal Rue. <laughs> because it might be necessary to do that. Is there any kind of special, I don't know, shampoo like that you can recommend or like something like that that parents can use or something if they see these symptoms or shouldn't they self-diagnose? It's important to go see a doctor. That's kind of my takeaway. <laughs> Uh, it's important to get a diagnosis because then you'll get the correct treatment. You'll save money. You'll save frustration mm. by trying everything that you can. But if we just talk about eczema, the, in my opinion, the most important thing is moisturize, moisturize, moisturize and to, um, correct the skin barrier. And obviously then we get steroids and other things that, that forms part of the treatment plan. But get a diagnosis. Oh. Don't be frustrated. No, and I mean, honestly, I mean, from how you've explained everything today for us, I, I really, for me, that's the takeaways. In the end of the day, this is not as easy as like, oh, my parents had this allergy and now I have this allergy. Because on that note, isn't that also true that sometimes it starts off as, as a specific allergy and then in the end, like a, like if it's a cow's milk allergy, you might actually be in the end, like it's a nut allergy or something like well, that. I don't know now that specifically. Actually, what happens, we talk about the allergic march. So early in life, um, the most common thing would be food allergies and eczema. Later in life, allergic rhinitis, nasal symptoms, and later asthma. It also doesn't mean if you have one, you'll get all of them. But oh. if we see one condition, we look for the others. So I wouldn't say if you're allergic to milk, you have a higher um, chance of being allergic to nuts, for instance. Mm. It's mostly in the, the conditions. We look for all of those allergic conditions. Oh. Dr. Adal Rue, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I have honestly learned a lot. And I think this has been incredibly helpful for parents um, because it is an important thing. And I think it affects a lot of people. Um, if you've missed mm -hmm. it, as always, you can go listen to the podcast on highfm.com. Please, if in future you've got any questions or any topics that you want us to cover, you can, of course, email us at instudio at highfm.com. Dr. Uh, Dr. <laughs> Adalri, thank you so much for joining me. It was so incredibly wonderful. <laughs> Thanks for the opportunity to be here and thank you for helping us to sleep. <laughs> it's just an absolute pleasure. Um, and of course, you can just Google Dr. Adal Rue. She is at Little Company of Mary in Groenkloof, uh Life Hospital. And that's what it is. Um, if you are looking for her, she is absolutely an expert and it was wonderful um, having you on the show. On that note, that is our show for today. It was as always, wonderful to spend the time with you. The world is changed by our example, not by our opinion. Let's lead by example for our children. Thank you for joining me today. Until next time, enjoy your day. <laughs>